Good morning. It is Friday, May 15th, and this is Community Pulse. I'm Tim Pilcher. Before we begin, I want to remind you that starting next week, we'll be dialing back Community Pulse to four days a week, Monday through Thursday, and we will return to a full hour of open mic radio here on Friday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m., a huge thank you to Mike Hagan for allowing us to use part of his time slot over the past two months. He does an excellent job curating some of the best in local music on Open Mic Radio every Friday morning at 9, and of course that's followed by Mid-Missouri's only comprehensive weekly arts show at 10 a.m., Speaking of the Arts, with host Diana Moxon. Today on Community Pulse, we'll be talking about vitamin D and how it shows promise for reducing the risk of influenza and COVID-19. Joining me in the studio once again is Peter Weiss, and on the line is Dr. Elizabeth Allman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters. Good morning, Elizabeth and Peter. Good morning. So before we get started on talking about, as Peter said, sunshine and happiness, um, I want to go over the uh, the numbers. Uh, in the world, 4.5 million documented cases with 303,000 people died and 1,700,000 recovering. In the United States, we have uh, 1.457 uh, documented cases with 87,000 deaths and 318,000 recovering. In Missouri, sadly, we have now broken the trend of, you know, nine days of, or eight days of declining cases. So we, our number of cases, new cases, jumped back up to between two and 300, um, and that uh, knocked off the seven-day average. So we now have an increase, a one-day increase in the seven-day average of new daily cases, which is kind of a bizarre statistic, but it's the one that seems to make the most sense. Um, and that gives us a total of 10,628 cases with 568 deaths. So, you know, we won't really see, you can't really tell about trends except in the rearview mirror, so we'll just have to watch and see how that's going. But we were, I was really excited about the fact that it looked like we were um, getting close to making one of, meeting one of the criteria for a data-driven increase in activity, and that is 14 days of consistently declining new cases. So that's not where we're headed. Uh, Boone County cases are stable at 100, and our surrounding um, counties are also stable in the number of cases that they're having. Um, so I wanted to talk about vitamin D, because, you know, I think what I heard in the big, dis- oh, what do I want to say, discussion that was somewhat con- uh, conflictual about hydroxychloroquine was that I think everybody was hoping that we would be able to find a cheap, accessible, effective, safe uh, intervention we could all do to make it safer for us to walk through this global pandemic. And it turns out that hydroxychloroquine so far has not, our randomized control trials have not been able to clearly document that that's the one that we were hoping. Um, But it turns out that maybe vitamin D is. So I... Um, have been really interested and been following vitamin D for a long time before this pandemic. And I think that uh, there's some people who say we have two pandemics. One is a SARS-CoV-2 novel coronavirus that is circulating and making people sick and killing some people. And the other pandemic is the more silent one, 
that's been uh, more we've been more able to argue about, and that is the uh, global pandemic of vitamin D deficiency. So vitamin D, unlike other vitamins, it looks and acts a little bit more like a steroid hormone. So its chemical molecular structure is more like estrogen or testosterone or uh, cortisol than um, some of the other vitamins. Um, and most of the vitamin D that we have in our bodies until recently has been from the sun. So when the sun hits our bare skin, whenever the sh- our shadow is shorter than ourselves. So in Missouri, it's between mid-April and mid-October, and in the peak sun time, so between 10 and 2 of the day. And that varies a little bit based on exactly what season. And the more sun that's exposed to the more skin that's exposed to the sun, of course, the more vitamin D we make. But whenever the sun hits our skin, our bodies make vitamin D in the skin, and we are making a lot less of it than we used to. And that I'm not exactly sure exactly why that is. For sure, it's because we live indoors when we evolved to live out of doors and to maybe sleep under shelter, but to certainly not live under a roof. We wear clothing. Many of us have migrated from where our ancestors lived. So, you know, we think that humans, um, I don't know what most people think. There seems to be archaeological evidence that the first humans were in Africa and that then humans migrated from Africa to populate the rest of the world. And as we moved into the areas closer to the poles, we are it seemed that everybody adapted their skin to be less pigmented. And the only thing that is obvious to us about what advantage that would give us, because it makes us more easily sunburned, it makes us more susceptible to skin cancer. But it also allows us to make vitamin D more efficiently. So it, that's the current theory that I'm aware of, is that the closer you live to the poles, the lighter your skin is because you get less sun exposure and you still need to make vitamin D. The other variable is that we bathe. And vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, and it may be made as much on the skin as in the skin. So we may need to avoid bathing for 24 to 48 hours after we make vitamin D in order to fully integrate it into our bodies. Now that, That's very interesting. Very interesting. And it, I have only seen that in one place. I, we need larger studies to document that. But it is the thing that seems to make sense to me. I have good friends who are who spend a lot of time in the sun, gardening, uh, on the river. You know, they're always they, they've got clearly sun damaged skin. I'm not recommending that people do that. And a couple of those people have turned out to be vitamin D deficient. And I, it occurred to me like, oh my goodness, if that person can't keep their vitamin D level up with sun exposure, then I'm not counting on the fact that I can. So 42% of Americans are deficient in vitamin D, and that's with using numbers for sufficiency that many people think are not actually ideal. And 80-some percent of African Americans and 60-some percent of Hispanic Americans are deficient in vitamin D. So this is a very common deficiency. Um, And so we are, you know, we... Um, dairy products are supplemented, uh, are fortified, but the, the amount of vitamin D we're, we're fortifying these 
products with is designed to prevent rickets, which is a disease of the bones typically seen in children. And that requires a significant amount of vitamin D deficiency at a particular developmental time to create. So, you know, there's that question of like, what's the minimum amount that you have to take to keep from getting the fatal problem? And then what's the ideal optimum amount to support human health? And that is an issue of debate. But when I talk to people about vitamin D, I can sort of see that they're not believing this means them, that they're not in the 42% that are deficient. Um, but I am I am hoping that everybody who I'm talking to will think I think that I think that applies to me, because what we're discovering is that vitamin D is essential for a healthy immune system, an immune system that can effectively respond to a threat without over responding. So it's an immune modulatory vitamin, and that is that it allows our cells to be healthy and for us to make the right. Um, cytokines, these communication chemicals between one immune cell and another that tells the cells to turn on and other cells to turn off at particular times. And when we have the uh, not enough of those cytokines, we don't mount an immune response and we succumb to an infection. And if we have another, if we have too much of them, and this is an oversimplification, but we get what's called cytokine storm, which is this inflammatory reaction, which we think may be at the root of these things like these rare complications from COVID-19 of young people having strokes, of children getting this Kawasaki syndrome, but also from people getting this um, acute respiratory distress syndrome where the, the lungs are not so much infected as they are inflamed and filled with fluid and oxygenation is very difficult. So we there are many things involved in all of that, and it's more complex than just, oh, you need your vitamin D right, but vitamin D is necessary for us to have a healthy immune system. It's also, of course, necessary for us to have strong bones, uh, for us to have... Um, a healthy cardiovascular system. But what we found is that over the years we've been noticing that there's a lot of us who are deficient. Uh, There are uh, people who have higher vitamin D levels, have less colon cancer and less heart disease and less, um, I can't remember, the list is long. Women who are pregnant who have the right amount of vitamin D have less preeclampsia, which is a very common cause of uh, fatal complications in pregnancy. So we are seeing that it is uh, apparently every cell in the body has vitamin D receptors, so it affects every cell, and it's going to affect many facets of our health. But what we're also discussing, so then it's like, oh, that's, that's correlation, that's not causation, so people with low levels have worse health than people with higher levels. What's the optimum level? We don't know yet. What's the right amount to supplement with? We don't know yet. And are these things just like, oh, well, people who spend more time out in the sun are going to have higher vitamin D levels. They're going to be more active. It's going to be a marker for people who aren't so sick they can't get out of their houses. Maybe it's just a confounding factor. But we've now begun to see that therapeutic interventions are effective. So when we give people a 1,000 international units a day of vitamin D, they are measurably less likely to get influenza and other respiratory illnesses in the winter, and they are, we are now seeing that there's some correlation between vitamin D levels and COVID-19 infection rates and COVID-19 complication rates. So what do we do about that? 
uh, many people are recommending that everybody take one to 2,000 international units of vitamin D3 every day. It's pretty cheap. A year's worth can cost as little as $25, and um, it's easy to take. There, it, is a, it is a wide therapeutic window, so please do not just take all that you can. You know, 10 times that much is not, is not 10 times as good as that much. One to 2,000 international units. If you are, um, have dark skin, if you don't spend a lot of time in the sun, if you haven't been taking a vitamin D supplement, you might want to take four to 6,000 international units a day for a couple of weeks because we don't know when you're going to get exposed to COVID-19 and then drop that down to one to 2,000 international units a day. Um, if you are pregnant, you should talk to your care provider about taking between, uh, closer to that 6,000 international units a day, especially um, if you have not been taking it before. You can get your vitamin D level tested. It costs between 50 and $150 to get that done, depending on where you do it. Insurance companies don't always pay for it. Medicare is not yet paying for it um, in all circumstances. Um, and we don't exactly know what's the right ideal number, but it would be helpful if you were wanting to do that. And there are ways in Colombia to get your blood drawn with minimal contact with other people. So I think a lot of people are sort of delaying other health care because they're afraid of getting exposed to COVID-19. And I want you to know that that's a legit thing, and we ought to be thoughtful about what we're doing. But um, I think we are getting better and better at lowering the risk of getting those things done. So if you are thinking, oh, my goodness, I need a blood level before I start to supplement, then that is something to talk to your primary care provider about. And what about uh, natural sources of vitamin D, say in Whole Foods, milk, things like that? Say it is hard. If somebody doesn't want to go yeah. to a, get a supplement it, at the store. It's hard to get enough vitamin D in your food mm-hmm. because historically 90% has gotten, is, we've gotten from sun exposure and only 10% from the diet. And, you know, it's typically they need to be gotten from animal sources, so eggs, especially the egg yolks, and dairy products. But here's the deal is those animals have to have had sun, sun exposure. So if the animals are raised indoors, their vitamin D levels and their um, bodies are, and their eggs and their milk is going to be much lower. Um, so I think it is hard. And then, you know, this time of year, if you got milk from a cow that's pastured, remember all winter they didn't get much sun exposure. I mean, not because they didn't get it, but because it's not, a, not enough UV light at this latitude mm. to create vitamin D. So it's really difficult to get it from food. And so that's why the recommendation is a supplement. I, I don't like supplements either. I want to get my stuff from food, but I've been taking a vitamin D supplement for about four or five years now. Great. Very informative. And are there different forms that this supplement comes in? I know I've seen things like vitamin D3 and, you know, different formats of vitamin D. Do you have any insight Yeah, vitamin that? D2 is from plant sources, primarily from mushrooms that have been exposed to ultraviolet light. And vitamin D3 is an animal source, and it is primarily from lanolin, I think. Okay. Um, and the vitamin D3 is more effective at raising your vitamin D levels in blood. Okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, and it, you can buy it in tablets and capsules and drops. When I looked for myself, I had heard and read some 
folks who believe that the liquid um, drops are a little bit better absorbed and they are cheaper. They don't taste like anything. I put them in my warm beverage in the morning. <clears throat> Dr. Alderman, I, I thank you for such an excellent topic. Uh, it's, it's so befitting as we head into the weekend uh, as well. Um, one's own personal immune system is something that one can manage in this right. age of such great uncertainty where information is coming at us from all sorts of different areas and we will not have the, the longitudinal uh, peer-reviewed research that we need about this virus for, for quite some time to come. Um, do you have any other recommendations uh, for people in terms of, well, uh, taking care of their personal immune system? Uh, because uh, getting some sunshine this weekend, which is very important for everyone, of course. <laughs> yeah, it may be a little difficult. I think it may be rainy this weekend. Yeah. But, yes, in general, I think that um, – so that's a great question. And Chris Link and I spent an hour talking about it on Your Health Matters, and I think that that program aired last week. So um, – but it's these foundations of um, – of a whole health um, that integrative medicine folks talk about. So uh, getting enough sleep. It's a really important time when we restore our immune systems. Uh, having great uh, and uh, great uh, plan for managing stress and um, calming down. So meditation, yoga, singing, chanting, uh, forest bathing, uh, spending time outside in nature every day, getting enough physical activity, having a eating food that uh, really matches well with our own particular metabolic needs rather than just what was easy and um, palatable. Um, uh, having meaningful work, uh, staying in connection with meaningful, with uh, relationships that, that matter to us, having a connection to something transcendent that we might call the divine or a religious practice. Those things are all been shown to increase longevity. They're available to almost all of us. Um, and uh, are do not usually require a lot of money necessarily to do well. Mm -hmm. And we can post the link to your Your Health Matters episode with, mm -hmm. with uh, Dr. Chris Link, so listeners can have access to that when we share Community Pulse later today. Yeah, Chris also mentioned a list of other supplements, including vitamin C, N-acetylcysteine, quercetin, I'm trying to remember several others. And, and many of those things are available in a diet that includes a lot of colorful whole foods like, um, and you know, not colorful like an apple is red. An apple is actually white once you slice it. But things like berries and greens and, um, oh, you know, purple cabbage, all of those lovely things. So. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, we are about out of time for yeah. today. Thank you so much, Dr. Alleman. You're for welcome. This wonderful information, as always. Yeah, and next week, again, we're going to do four days of Community Pulse. One of those days will be Jenny Chadwick hosting us. Um, and I have people suggesting that I take on topics that I'm a little overwhelmed by myself. So I'm going to try one day next week to talk about what about summer camps and sports activities during this, this summer for our children. Uh, and the answer is, I don't know, but we'll see what we can do about that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Dr. Allen. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. All right. Bye. And that is it for today's edition of Community Pulse. Once again, we were speaking with Dr. Allman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters, which airs every Wednesday here at 6 p.m. on KOPN. Thank you so much for tuning in to Community Pulse today. Coming up next is Open Mic Radio, and Mike's guest today is David Dernley. So please stay tuned. <laughs>